Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live in Boise, Idaho. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. We have returned to in-person audiences and are rebooting by revisiting themes from our first season. On this podcast, brave audience members let go of inhibitions and took to our stage to share stories inspired by the theme, Going Home, Stories of Returning. It's story time. Please welcome Caden Sinclair. And it is my first time. Um, I appreciate you guys being willing to listen to my short story. I'll keep it to five minutes so that you aren't uh, slumping over in your chairs, first of all, and so I don't drone on and on. Uh, I do want to say, beautiful job. Um, I have a great appreciation for musical talent, so thank you. So my story involves someone that I wish was here tonight to tell the story. She's an artist that's in New York City. Um, She's building an art piece that is approximately 20 to 22 feet tall. It's a sculpture. I wish I had pictures. Uh, The sculpture's um, a little bit uh, kind of like an Easter Island face, weeping tears that are bird-like, and it's called In the Mind's Eye, so it's very dreamlike. If you can imagine 20 feet, I think the ceilings to about that beam are about 30. So big sculpture. She had originally intended to build this sculpture in Washington State, and the reason she was doing that is because the resources there accommodated her for her welding. Uh, There was plenty of other people that could help her, and she was able to go there for what she thought was going to be about a month, maybe six weeks. She ended up spending uh, several months, and as is the case with many artists, didn't quite complete the sculpture. So she was intending to take the sculpture back to New York City to complete it. Um, That was based on the fact that the warehouse was needed, her resources were running out, and she really just did not know what to do. So she fundraised and got a vehicle, and the vehicle that she got was, um, it didn't function very well, so I'm going to say that nicely. It uh, pretty much the transmission didn't work, the engine didn't work. The, um, I believe it overheated. Uh, some of the tires blew, and she had to have them replaced. So as you can imagine, this isn't a great vehicle. On her way from Washington State, she had to go through Salt Lake City, and that was kind of a circuitous route, but she needed to take that route because she was meeting up with somebody that was an additional resource and also someone that was going to accompany her on the journey back to New York. She didn't make it through uh, Oregon. She broke down outside of Baker, and when I say broke down, I alluded to the, all the mechanical difficulties, and so she tried to limp it along, tried to limp it along, and with a lot of help from the locals, she got it to a mechanic shop. She had no ability to figure out a resource to get her any further, and out of frustration, a lot of tears, and feeling very, very alone after all this energy she put into something that she'd been awarded a grant for, people are expecting later next year, she had to give up and leave the sculpture behind. So she made her way back to New York, and in desperation, she reached out to the Burning Man Network, which is part of uh, what she was awarded this grant for. They activated the regional network, which 
there are people here in Boise. And that's where I'll get to the next part of uh, how this story combines. Here in Boise, we have a nice kind of creative space called Xanadu. And Xanadu is just uh, a collective of artists. We do things like welding and woodworking. Some of the art is actually on here in display at Jump, at the Botanical Gardens. We do a lot of work for Tree Fort. And in general, the community is just sort of there to help each other all the time. It's a really amazing space, and I am so blessed to be part of it. Um, so it didn't really occur to us that this was much of a big deal when we were asked to help. And what we did is we reached out to Lana, and Morgan Sherwood, who's sitting here as well tonight, and I got in the truck, drove over to Baker, which is not that far, picked up her art piece, brought it back to Boise, to Xanadu, which it is now sitting at, and just told her, hey, whatever you need, we'll take care of you. By the way, we have a creative center here in Boise with a welding shop and a huge community of artists and plenty of space. So as we kind of communicated with her, she was extremely overwhelmed with gratitude and realized just how welcoming Boise is as a city, how well we are with our uh, community and how when it really comes down to it, we help each other. And she's flying out here in January to scope it out, take a look at things, and finish the sculpture here in Boise. And in part of doing that, she may actually leave the sculpture here until it goes on display late fall of next year. While she's here, she wants to meet the community that's kind of responsible for this space. She wants to see the biodome, which is like one of my favorite things because it's filled with orchids right now. And in this climate, walking into a space that's 80 degrees where it's humid and there's orchids in bloom, <laughs> pretty nice. So this is a story about someone that meant to get home and in an unexpected way has found something that she is gravitating more towards as being her true home for her art piece. Did I fill up my five minutes? <laughs> Hey Siri, tell me a story. Thank you everybody. Uh, this is always a wonderful event and I just am honored to be in front of you and tell you a little bit of my life where I got to come home. I spent a year as an exchange student in South Africa in a pretty tumultuous time in their history Nelson Mandela was released from prison two weeks after I arrived. And it started the changes within their government and their philosophy of life and, and just so much of those things. I was 16. I thought about jeans and school and the boys that were paying attention or not. And as I look back in my years, of course, that was a stunning time to be there. And I got to be just a normal person there. Um, I went through Rotary Youth Exchange, and so I had a fantastic support system. I ended up with four, four different families and still to this day, it is the experience of a lifetime 
nothing has surpassed that in my life. And I learned a different way of life. I was wearing a uniform to go to school. I hated it. <laughs> I, we had maids at, and housekeepers at our home and we weren't a really rich family. They kept polishing my school shoes and so I looked new every day. <laughs> I started hiding them. I scuffed them on my way to school and while I sat in class and then hid them. I learned about a different way of life that nobody said was better or worse than what I lived. They just lived. And in that time, I learned that M&Ms weren't the only options. There were Smarties. <laughs> I learned that peanut butter didn't always have the taste and consistency of Jeff. I spent my lunches with my families because school got out in time for lunch, you know, just an early afternoon lunch, where we discussed why peanut butter needed to have a finite mix of butter and honey to make that sweet, creamy balance that most of us know as our peanut butter. It's just an expression of how our life was, or how my life was. These subtle changes, these subtle embraces of how others did in order for them to experience the things that I knew, and vice versa. I learned different slang. Anybody here say, how's it? as you walk by someone you know. That was not a starter of a conversation, just an FYI. Don't start telling them about your day because they don't care. <laughs> um, the way you look at money, the way you look at life in general. Um, I became a middle sibling for the first time. I became the oldest child for the first time. These experiences were new and I learned to embrace them. And the day that I got on an airplane, at the end of that year, I knew that I was going to forever be marked by that experience. And my life was better for that learning but I also know, I'll tell you how long ago it was, I got on an airplane and when we landed in Europe for my, my uh, layover and plane change, the pilot announced our uh, entrance into the Iraq war. And again, life was changed. I got off the airplane in Fairbanks, Alaska, 
in January after being in South Africa in January. It was a 120 degree change. But my family was there. My friends were there. I was coming home. Thank you. But we're here for Adeline, come on up. My story is less of a memoir as everyone else's has been, uh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, mine is about a pixie named Rose, and she lives in a scary forest called the Dwarf Forest. It's from the Land of Stories, and she uh, woke up one morning to the dim sunlight that the very dim sunlight that could only show, shine through the, through the crowded trees of the forest. And she watered the small flower that she had planted, the only flower in the whole forest. And she went out for another day of trying to find some berries to eat. She flew as high as she possibly could above all the trees, and in the, dist in the distance she found the tips of a small golden castle. Curiously, she continued to fly towards it, and she saw the most beautiful kingdom she'd ever seen. It had blue flowers and water and all sorts of fairies um, flying about. She soon lost track of time and hurried back to the forest to the mine for, for another day of school. Um, today's lesson was taught by two dwarfs, Happy and Sleepy, so as usual, Happy was doing all of the teaching. Um, <laughs> She, so the lesson was on building your house. They were talking about how to build a proper home out of wood and branches and things. And the way they were calling it home in the forest made a question arise in Rose's head. What if home isn't where you're from? So the next, so she continued through the lesson and once she got home that night, she watered her flower again before going to bed. The next day, Rose wasn't sure if she wanted to stay in the forest anymore. She went back to the kingdom, and she took her flower with her. The flower really weighed down the flight and made it really hard. She eventually got to the kingdom and planted her flower in the forest, in the, in the, by the lake. Um, she then built a new tree house, just like the dwarfs had taught her, but in the proper place this time. Rose had finally found a home. Then. Ben Redmond. Ooh. Enthusiastic chair. Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho! How y'all doing tonight? I love you guys. These are great nights. These are great events. Yeah, two summers ago, I did over three and a half grams of cocaine in under 20 minutes. <laughs> then I had a seizure. Then a ruler used me to do more. Then I had a second seizure. I died. Well, someone saved me, and that's why I'm standing on this rock. This place is not our home. This place has never been our home. 
If you guys haven't noticed, things are going downhill. Well, guess what? They're going to keep going downhill. The reason this place is not our home is because there is a ruler of this world, a ruler who's been ruling it for over 2,000 years. If you've ever felt like you can't make a difference in the world, you're wrong. You can. I need your help building a fire. This fire will one day burn him alive. This fire will one day eat him alive. Then for the first time in all times, this world will be for us. Then for the first time in all times, things will be right. Then everyone will see what this ruler is made out of. He's made out of nothing but lies. Then everyone will see what the truth is. We're the greatest things that exist in the entirety of the universe. We're the greatest things that exist in the entirety of all that exists. Then this world will be our home. Then we're all going to party together forever. This fire will only grow greater and greater forever. There's something I need to tell you guys. It's going to be impossible for any of you to believe me right now. But be happy every second of every day. Because what I'm about to tell you is true. Jesus is going to return in less than 17 years. I wouldn't know anything. I only know what God told me. And what I told you is true. So be happy every second of every day. This ruler uses religion to blind us. Sin is not what this lying world says it is. Sin is what authority figures do. I'm not done yet. Sin is what your parents did to you. Love is what matters most. The face of sin is the book of law. I love you guys. There's one more thing I need to tell you. Please don't get the vaccine, and if you've already got one, then please don't get another one. But hey, I love you guys. David K. Here comes David, wearing a festive sweater. It's not an ugly sweater. It's a saltine sweater. <laughs> Hi. Hello. This is a lovely event, my first time. Wow. Um, thank you for your eloquence. Really. <laughs> What a night. What a place. My first time in jump. Um, so, I want to dispel a rumor and then celebrate a myth. I've lived in many, many corners of this fine country. It's really, really fun. This is a great place. It is. I've traveled too overseas, but America is, is a great home, as you know. Um, born in D.C., but I was so small when we left that it's, 
it's, uh, it's a place where I learned many, many years later backstage that I was born in the same hospital as Dave Chappelle. <laughs> that's all I, that's the only relation to that place for me. Uh, Amsterdam, New York was next, and <laughs> that's the kind of snow that starts in October. Thank you, Northern Idaho. I, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Um, it starts in October, it doesn't end until April, and it's amazingly cold and, and depressing and what have you, but cold. Uh, cool, good friends. We left when I was eight, but what a time. Um, to embrace real people. One of the myths I wanted to spell is that you can't go home. Uh, not too long ago, I went to Saratoga Springs to see a concert and rolling back towards somewhere, I, I, I looked at the map, I said, oh, Amsterdam, I haven't been there. And by the way, I've always had a dream of <clears throat> finding the love of my life and taking her to all these dots. So you guys are the love of my life tonight. <laughs> Amsterdam, New York, um, lost the battle that so much of America is going through, I guess. Um, it, drugs, it, it's a city no more. They lost City Hall, they sold City Hall. It was so overtaken with opioid abuse and use and it's it, it's a city no more um my dad was one of those guys that um, would have a job and then he'd be looking for a job not too long thereafter it, it seemed normal to me he was just cutting things out of the wall street journal i don't know but we went to dover delaware next the capital of our first state and uh, that's where my brother learned racism. Uh, he went to a high school that was predominantly black and he couldn't hang and he's never come back. Um, he, you know of people like him, uh, closed-minded, it's all happening to him, misogyny slips in and what have you. But to me, Dover, Delaware was, we had a backyard Hell, I mean, you know, connected to other people, kicking the can. It was so fun. And uh, I don't, I don't want to go home there. That's not home. But it was a cool two years. <laughs> Moved on up to Pennsylvania. And by the way, take it easy on Pennsylvania and bad hotels. And what a, it's a great place. <laughs> Pennsylvania is warm. Pennsylvania has so many, I mean, you know, people say, oh, where are you from? Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's an hour 20 from, I got to tell them it's near Philly because nobody, everybody thinks it's Pittsburgh. And no, man, there's so much going on. It's huge like Idaho. You can just drive to different corners and see different things. And I know more about Philadelphia history than anybody you know, I know. <laughs> um... I used to do 15-minute videos about certain historical spots that would beam into sixth-grade classrooms all over this great country. And it was, it was called Geography, History, and the Urban Riches. That was my first hit. Um, <clears throat> so that was fourth grade all the way up through Reading, Pennsylvania, outside of Reading. It was called The Suburbs. Maybe you've heard of them. 
um, fourth grade all through till high till college, and then I went to Temple University, and I finally landed in a cité. <laughs> Got my cité on. <laughs> you see, when you move into a city, or you're from the burbs, or you live in a hick town, or you're from nowhere, or you find racism. <laughs> the the thing I want to propel as truth is that positivity works, right? A positive outlook on things, here's the saltine part. <laughs> a, a positive outlook really can get you by and can make you thrive and can make the people around you better. And I'm just here to share that. Um, boom, off to New York after nine years in Philly and, and, and finding my way. And, New York City is the bomb, right? It's so fun. Jazz clubs are open till four, and you, one night on a Tuesday, I got a haircut. That night, I was taking salsa lessons. They were over at 11, and the guy at the salsa, hey, you can go practice to, till one, in the, one o'clock in the morning. It's Tuesday. <laughs> I still can't salsa. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to see the storytellers in addition to hearing them, this entire show is available on the Story Story Night YouTube channel. Story Story Night receives support from the Boise Arts and History Department and is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, and our season sponsor, The Boise Group. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello. Find out how to participate in our live show at storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.